0: superstars welcome to the up your creative genius podcast where you will gain insight and tips to stomp on the accelerator and blast off to transform your business and your life I'm your host, Patti Dobrovolsky and if this is your first time tuning in, then strap in because this is serious Rocket Fuel. Each week, I interview fellow creative geniuses to help you learn how easy it is to up your creative genius in any part of your life. Hey, everybody. Oh, my gosh. I have Douglas Ferguson here. This guy is an author, a speaker, master facilitator, and he's the president of Voltage Control. And he's going to tell us what Voltage Control is all about. But let me just say that he helps companies to sustain and scale their innovation through design thinking and synthesis of visuals and creating a fast to fail culture. And I love that fast to fail idea. So we're going to get into that for sure. But he's also the author of a non-obvious guide to magical meetings, which if you don't know about the non-obvious guidebooks, they're really incredible. And so you want to read his magical meeting, reinvent how your team works together. And he's got so much stuff happening that in the show notes, you got to go right away to voltage control and see the events that he runs and the trainings that he has and the coffee chat he's just incredible so welcome to the show douglas
1: hey wow thanks for the warm welcome and it's good to be here i'm so excited to talk to fellow facilitators that's one of my favorite things to do
0: yeah fantastic i love that you're here and it was so much fun to read about you and see what you'd been up to kind of you know i love just going behind the scenes and like get any into is there any dirty laundry in here i'm looking for you know like is there anything fun in here it's all fun in there your sizzle reel on your website it's really great and fun to watch and i was thinking wow this is so cool to have you so tell us a little bit about yourself would you
1: yeah sure born in virginia and it's a tobacco farmers and uh you know first generation to make it to college was really into computers from a young age i was uh playing around on a commodore 64 uh, programming and and even in high school first program was to make a Frankenstein out of Asking characters, so you know yes, that was, yes. that was a, a great use of time, I tell you. <laughs> so fast forward after school, I um, got bit by the startup bug pretty early. This was like in the 90s. I was like yeah. working for a startup that wanted to be Facebook before MySpace even existed. You know, oh, it's wow. like, and so like, needless to say, being early is just as bad as being wrong, <laughs> and, and so... I got I learned a lot, you know, through the yeah. years of writing code for tech startups and then leading engineers and products people and designers at what it took to build sustainable, highly collaborative teams. Yeah. And I was always really fascinated about the the mechanisms by which people bring forth collaboration. I didn't even th- know the word facilitation or I'd heard about it, but I kind of conflated it with like moderation or I wasn't like, <laughs> is this someone that ne- does negotiations? I am not. wasn't really quite sure, but I was always really fascinated with, you know, whether it was extreme programming or agile or lean and experimenting with these different ways to have better meetings. Yeah. And then fast forward to my last startup, which was you know, I was kind of done with the startup world. and, and yeah. But through that experience, I would met the, the the design team at Google Ventures. And oh, on that yes. team was Jake Knapp, who wrote the book Design Sprints. And yes. so got a lot of people asking me to come and speak on Design Sprints. And so that led to a whole new world opening up around being a thought leader on this stuff. It was interesting because I was able to tap all this other experience I had and this love I had for bringing people together it was almost like a new lease on life because i realized that whoa i can do this for a living like i don't have to like do a startup and do this within inside the startup i can do this for a living that was really really pretty incredible
0: Oh, that's so fantastic. What a great way to describe that. You know, on the podcast about four episodes before you, I interviewed Joni Wickham, who was the chief of staff for Mayor Sly James in Kansas City, and she grew up on a tobacco farm too. So just so you know, we got a theme going on here. So for those of you listening, anybody can come from anywhere and really become a game changer, and you really have in this field of facilitation. I think that one of the things that I know to be true about you is that every experience in your meetings is so interactive that people are just having a blast. The, the, you know, even though they're working on hard stuff, it they are having so much fun. So tell the listeners, like if they get dropped into a meeting with you or your team, what will be some of the differentiators between meetings they have been in before?
1: Mm. Well, I think one big one is that they'll know why they're there. Um, before they show up, and while they're there, there'll be a very clear understanding of why they're there and how they can contribute, and they're going to be invited to shape the outcome. Someone in our community once said that you know, diversity is inviting everyone to the dance. Inclusion is inviting someone to dance, and so oh, yes. something that happens in our meetings is that you will be invited to dance.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic, and in that dance you'll tap into your own piece of the vision. Because one of the things you talk about a lot in some of the interviews with you, you talk about how important it is to make a commitment, adapting to the environment, to make small Mm. incremental change and know that those small changes add up to big wins when you want to step into your future. So say something about that For you as a person, how did you decide or learn that small things equal big results eventually?
1: It's interesting. I don't know if I can point to one particular moment where someone said, This is the equation to life or or, this is the way things work. (laughs) But I think that it was just a culmination of a lot of lived experience or lived experiences where I was always very curious. You know, I was the kind of kid that liked to take things apart and put them back together. And sometimes they didn't quite work the way they worked before. And so I think one of the things maybe that was super pivotal for me well, early in my career as a software developer, I got really fixated on what now some folks refer to as the learning loop. And so the time it took for me to discover that something was broken or that I had introduced a bug or a defect was directly correlated to the how expensive it was to fix it, or how much oh, wow. damage or pain it caused to my coworkers, yeah. or to the how much money it made the company lose, the longer it <laughs> took, the, the more, you know, of an impact, negative impact that would that would make. And so if I could reduce that time, it was better and better. And then I started to realize like, Oh, wow, the if I also can start to reduce the time to learnings, even when I'm trying things out in the code or experimenting with the way something works, the quicker I can come up with solutions to almost to where it starts to become real time. And you're yeah. almost intuiting, like you try something and you're instantly seeing the results. And so I think that led me to this understanding of like, oh wow, you don't have to have everything figured out at once. You can sort of probe the the system and understand and then probe the system and understand which, Like years later, I came to understand from learning about complexity theory that that is exactly how you need to operate in a complex environment or complex system, which is where we all find ourselves these days. Yes,
0: And so that's something about getting yourself to test multiple tests at the same time of something. I love this conversation we're having because, you know, for me, I'm always coming up with these new ideas. And then, you know, I want to see will this work? What can this work? what what about this? And then I'll follow my intuition around some things. But the key that I think in design thinking is to get your customer involved in the Mm -hmm. process early enough. So you see if what the solution you're providing is something they can actually use because, you know, I love that book. It's about your mother or something. I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's all about how we often create things that just our mother will like because our mother likes anything that we do. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of the time. And so trying to get yourself to do that. Now, what did you see as challenges that you faced in your career trajectory? What did you and how did you learn to pivot and be able to shift from this software and design of the startup environment into this facilitator thing? What allowed you to feel like you had the confidence to do that?
1: You know, I think surrounding myself with lots of mentors and cheerleaders, you know, like anyone who was willing to tell me that I could do it and help me see blind spots or gaps, you know, I think that really helped. Also, having somewhat anticipated the opportunity, you kind of, I kind of prepared a little bit, so I had a little bit saved, so I could, you know, could hunker down and and go through a period of growth and building, you know. Yeah. And then I was just kind of strategic around it was down to basics you know even creating a little bit of budget like what do i need to bring in to even live by the most like economic means necessary and then another thing i did is i firm believer in being as economical and as scrappy as possible in the beginnings and so you know i didn't. we didn't even have a website we were using me at the time Medium let you use custom yes. domains on Medium, and so I used Medium as my website because I did. Wow. I had a strong desire to blog and write because I felt like if I got my ideas out, then that people would, would know
0: who you were and, and you'd figure out
1: what you were doing. Boom! Yeah. That's the big thing, right? Yeah, I, that yeah. writing helped me process, and then meeting with my mentors and talking through those things, and then writing about it just helped me funnel the vision further. And so those were critical points or critical elements from the very beginning.
0: Well, now, are you a visualizer? Are you an illustrator, too, as well as um, being a facilitator? Or do you bring in somebody to do the part of drawing the pictures in that way?
1: I'm not an illustrator myself, but I will say that I do like to draw and doodle. And I do express myself visually, but I'm not a finessed illustrator. And so anytime that we're working with a client or doing a project, where we want to bring that element in, whether that's because we're wanting to have a multi-sensory experience or, you know, quite often we're having to create polished graphics for the website or for, you know, some kind of like deliverable or whatnot. You know, we have folks on staff and we have contractors that we work with. And, you know, I've got this curse, right? That (laughs) I have an eye for what I know looks good and is polished and and is beautiful. But it takes me forever to get there. And so that's why it's better for me to work with someone else. I know that that deficiency in myself, but it's also it's somewhat of a curse, right? Because some people will happily be like, that looks fine. And I'm like, oh no, 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 that's not good.
0: <laughs> I so know. I mean, I have a studio artist that I'll use if I feel like, oh, I need something that is just super dialed in for this client. So I'll send it to him and I'll say, Hey, can you do this? And then, you know, it's one of those miraculous things when you get that product back and then it turns into collateral and you see it on Mm the website and all of that, you know, trained eye can see the difference between what I would consider to be my hack real-time drawing, which sometimes is hack. And sometimes if I've really, you know, dialed it in, it can be spectacular but it takes a lot of time, right? Which is what you're talking about. And sometimes you don't have the time, especially if you're in a meeting and you got a lot of things happening. Now, who do you, you know, like what's your best ideal client that you've been working with Mm. that you love? What are the problems that they're having and how do you help them? I'm curious.
1: Yeah, you know, we work with all sorts of clients because we're training folks that come to our website and sign up for a course or uh, even certification, and so those students look vastly different, you know, some of them might be work for a nonprofit. Someone might be the leader at a Fortune 100. Someone might be a freelance facilitator. And so those cohorts are quite diverse, which is kind of fun because they all learn from each other. And that's part of why the cohort approach is so powerful. But when we're talking about on the private side where I'm facilitating or we're doing like bigger change efforts for clients, you know, I would say the the ones that are had were kind of stuck and really struggling with the change but they were receptive to change and they were receptive to support and help and so they sought us out and they said, hey, we know we need help and we're, we're willing to have a guide here. You know, it's like because oftentimes people want to just go down the river rapids themselves or they think, oh, if I just rent the equipment, I'm good to go. But some folks <laughs> realize like, hey, it's going to be helpful to have a guide to navigate yeah. these rapids with us. Yeah. And, you know, it can be all sorts of different things that they're facing you know, whether it's like we're trying to migrate all of our on-prem stuff to the cloud or maybe our employee onboarding process is like broken or it has been broken forever. But now that we're all remote, it's very, very clear how broken it is.
0: Yeah, exactly. you know, it's, it can
1: it can be so many different things. But I think the critical thing, just put the cherry on top, that makes it the best of best clients is when they really, really understand out of the gate that this is a human problem. And that this isn't about like coming in with some logistical, like change management org approach
0: chart. Org chart. Yeah. Right.
1: Network theory is really important. And that's one of the things yeah. we do is we start to analyze the networks, but the yes. org chart is just one of the networks.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think, you know, for years I would train people in change management. That's what I did, you know, but I always found that. And that's actually how I discovered draw your future because the meeting was so, they wanted me, the change management company that I worked for, they wanted me to go in with curriculum and I knew that was never the entry point. Mm. So if I could get people to draw right at the beginning and talk about what the experience was like, everything changed right away and they were open and then we could figure out, okay, well, what's the solution? And should we try this, this, this? And I'd try to give them like a smorgasbord of things and let them choose, which is really what I think in your case, It's all about choice and accountability in the meeting itself, because you can come in with tons of solutions for people, but they're your solutions and they're not your problems. You're not the one that's living their everyday experience. You might have a ton of people you've worked with like that in the past, but so how do you handle the clients or do you ever come across them that, that just want you to come in and fix it?
1: Well, when they want us to come in and fix it, that we had to, we had to take them on that journey to a realization that it is about the people, yeah. And they have to get on board with this sense of co-authorship. The stuff you talked about, you know, that we are going to be creating narratives about our future. You know, we that storytelling so important. Doing it through graphics as well as through just oration as well can be powerful. But the point is, like, we had to do that explorative work together. And even inter- look internally around what are the impacts and how are people feeling and what are the emotions about all of this. And one big one is understanding the impacts that it can have identity because a lot of times change can be very frightening from the sense of like, I'm not going to be the same person I was. Yeah. You know, that's and, very scary. And a well, lot of times people don't want to face that fear. I don't want to admit it.
0: Yeah. I think this is so critical of what you're talking about because it's the scariest thing about knowing you need to shift personally when you're trying to make a change is that, yes, you will be afraid in that. And if you weren't afraid, I would be worried about you a little bit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like then you'd be cliff diving all the time, which some people can do it. But if you can understand that, to dive into your own psyche to see who am i if i'm not this or if i become this then it's so helpful where have you had to do that in yourself like mm. did you have to do anything during covid did it impact you did you find you know what happened to you in that experience
1: yes throughout the pandemic we've had a few major shifts and one of them was just the lockdown and just a lot of the upheaval that happened when so many clients shifted to having to work from home and just the uncertainty of all that. And from a capability standpoint, we saw this coming pretty early. And for us, the major shift was updating marketing language and just speaking to what we already knew because at the end of the day, we were running remote workshops because we couldn't fly into town to do a sales, Discovery, Maybe. Yeah, that's right. right? And yeah. so we had programmed that stuff to be remote. And yeah. that was, you know, and so we just had to reprogram a few things we had to, like, you know, redo some assets, we had to change copy on our website, those are the main things. And then also, we had to spend time supporting our community. Who are all suffering because a lot of yeah. the community didn't have experience with diverse distributed teams yes. they didn't have experience with technology you know me being a software developer we were using mural well before the pandemic we were like yeah. i mean i've been using zoom since 2007 early 2007 yeah. or to late 2006. And that's just how we operated, you know? And so it wasn't that big of a jump for us, but we had to support the community through that. And so, you know, there was a lot to do. So we're busy, but it wasn't as frightening as as some, you know, some people had to really, really reinvent themselves in a major, major way. I would say the thing that was the most, the biggest struggle for us to navigate was when we tragically lost our head of operations to domestic violence uh, last fall. And many folks will know about this because we dedicated our conference to her this year. And we've been doing a lot of work with Safe Alliance, which is an amazing organization here in Austin, Texas. And we're about to launch. And by the time this comes out, it may already be launched or it might be coming soon after something called the Safe Pledge that our work toward creating policies, our own internal HR policies around awareness of domestic violence. How to support discovery and conversations. What to do if we notice certain things yes. that might be concerning. But like, should I do anything? Well, there's training for that sort of stuff, and yep. and so socializing that and having policies around it. And then we're going to take that pledge public and try to get as many companies on board as possible adopt to it. embrace these practices yeah. and adopt it. Yeah. But yeah, that I, was
0: I, whoa. That's yeah. so intense. And so you know, unfortunately, it's really common. That's the thing. And sometimes you don't even know how common it is, but when it happens to someone near you really hits home, I will do everything I can to promote that. So you just know that you send me that information. I'll send it to all my top clients and get them on board and get in touch with their HR to see if we can't promote that because there are things you can do, but you need to know how to have the conversation and how to in such a way that the person doesn't feel shamed by it because the shame will just drive them back. And yeah. uh,
1: you know, and another thing that I learned from uh, working with SAFE so far, and I've got tons more to learn, but the thing that really just, if we don't know anything else, the one thing we should know is the time that people are most at risk is when they are confronting just before or just after they leave. Yes. Because it's all about control. And so when they're about to leave or when they've just left is when their controller is feeling the sense that they've lost control or they're losing control. And that's when they go off the rails and that's when really bad stuff can happen. Yeah. And so that's something to be very mindful of and a time to bring in experts and make sure resources are available. Anyway, I think there's lots of ways we can support people that are in situations that, you know, are headed in that direction or, or worse. And. And that's kind of where we're at at this point, you know, having navigated this for a little while, where um, it's just like, how can we help the others avoid similar situations?
0: Well, and so much grief around that. I can feel that, you know, just in you talking about it. And I appreciate so much that you're talking about it with the kind of care that you are because it's really important, especially during this time, and especially we live in Texas, you know, you and I. So it's, it's a bit of a different world, but honestly, if you look anywhere in the world, you'll see pieces of this everywhere in all forms. And so to be alert and awake to what people are experiencing and then give a safe space for people to actually talk about what is happening and support them, I love that. I want to just circle back to what you said about the pivot during the change, that you were supporting your community. So I'm assuming you know you do these facilitation trainings and certifications. So you send people out on their journey to become a, their own facilitation of design thinking and synthesis whiz so that they can apply it to whatever they're doing whether it's their small business they're building or whether they're internal hr or like this correct
1: mhm yeah you know and the community even goes beyond folks that have spent any money with us like we have a free facilitation lab every thursday and in fact i rarely get to facilitate anymore the facilitation labs cuz it's just so much going on with growing the business and stuff and I'm actually gonna facilitate one tomorrow, which is like, will be in distant future by the time this comes out, but I'm super excited about it. And But yeah, every week we invite a guest facilitator to facilitate and just hold that space and create something unique. So it's not a presentation, it's not a webinar, but it's a time to come together as facilitators and watch a facilitator model facilitating, do a thing, experiment with something, have a conversation, so we do that every week. And then we have a Slack channel that we bring everyone together as well. And so there's open discussions around whatever is on people's minds, et cetera. Um, and we also kind of consider social media our community as well, because a lot of the people that follow us on social media um, share there's client, ex-clients and things and whatnot, but a lot of the folks that are kind of tapping into our content and following us and yeah. having active dialogue are facilitators that are just there kind of on that on that journey fellow travelers with us
0: yes yes like 17,000 of them on LinkedIn are following you yeah. so i checked that out i was like yeah way to go and you know you have a beautiful So if anybody wants to just read anything that has been written about you and your company, you know, there's a Forbes 2020 article that came out that's really great. You give some fantastic tips about how to do things online. Most of us know some of them, but there's some things in there that I think you can always revisit and remember about creating an engagement because an online experience no matter what it is should be engaging right from the beginning it should mm-hmm. be something where you feel like oh this is going to be so cool right and as we get further and further into doing more of hybrid work like this the online experiences should be even better that's what i you know want And strive for it. Like, how can we make it even better that people are calling in or people are right there just showing up, that people are doing some theatrical presentation and that they get a wig and a box that arrives, you know, the day before and a you know, script that they can use or modify, right? To do some piece of it. Because I think we want to create an environment in which people are just exploding in their brain in a good way with new ideas.
1: You know, absolutely love that. And I always encourage people to think about, you know, can we think about how we make stuff tangible, physical, send something to someone, or how are we designing and fun and play into these experiences? The thing I want to make sure we underscore though, is that that can be a bit frightening for folks. You know, as far as like if you're a designer of this thing and you're unfamiliar with the stuff and it's like, oh, how do I even start? What do I even do? And I just want to say that if you're looking at it going, well, that sounds great, but I don't even know where to begin. What do I do? This sounds like way over the top from what I'm capable of. Just at least if you do nothing else, think about the meeting equity. Yeah. So think about everyone that's going to show up if you're doing a hybrid meeting. How are you making sure that the person that dials in or the people that dial in have the same or an equal experience as someone else? You know, if someone is blind, do they have an equal experience as someone else? You know, there's an accessibility component to the invite and to the software, but there's also an accessibility component to your design and the activities you're doing and how you're asking people to dance.
0: Yes. And I think there's something about understanding the culture too, and really Mm -hmm. being um, respectful of that. So, you know, that you enter into play. I was thinking when I was trained as a therapist, when you would do uh, kid therapy, you knew that you hadn't firmly entered the play accurately if the child stopped playing when you started to play with them. Then you had not entered the field that way and that is really how you think about it with clients right Um, that if they stop playing and they're frozen in fear or frozen in disbelief or whatever then no they're not in and you're gonna then you have to really push the rock up the hill sisyphus and hope it doesn't fall back down again right so i love that now when you uh, just tell me like, what's just a day for you? What's it look mm. like from start to finish? What do you do in the morning? How do you keep yourself centered and balanced? You know, you have a lot of people that you work with. So how do you stay in tune? Tell me, tell me those things.
1: Yeah. You know, some days are different, you know, like different days have some different things scheduled on them, but every day starts off the exercise I kind of chuckle. I I laughed as I started to say it, just because I know some people like don't aren't really into fad diets and things. But I've found that intermittent fasting really works well for me. So I don't eat breakfast. I exercise very hard in the mornings, either with Pilates or boxing. I'm really in the hitting heavy bag, so I sweat and um, in the morning. And then I usually sweat start and
0: starvation. To- sweat and starvation. that's right.
1: <laughs> Got to get the S's in. <laughs> And then, you know, usually I'm starting off with some sort I usually have some sort of uh, something starting off the day meeting wise, either, um, you know, diving in with my team or a workshop or what have you and spend a lot of time in Mural or spend a lot of time in HubSpot if I'm doing sales related stuff. So it's either kind of thinking about the operations or thinking about executing with the client.
0: And then when, when's your day stop? Then how, how do you end the day?
1: You know, I typically work fairly late. I do take frequent breaks and my schedule is fairly fluid. I will kind of schedule around my needs or kind of take some serendipity along the way. But um, generally my evenings are filled with, um, you know, generally I'll break away and start like just reading on Reddit or kind of spending a little time on TikTok. You know, my Netflix time got replaced with TikTok time, which like (laughs) I've managed to curate some really amazing creators that I'm, I I think are pretty phenomenal and they entertain me pretty well. So oh,
0: you should put those in your show notes so we can, so people can, because I don't think people know how to curate on TikTok. I don't think Mm. they understand that there are some amazing people that you can follow. And um, to make sure that you are getting, I don't know, because it is so much fun to see what's happening now and to yeah. watch makers. I don't, That's my favorite thing is to watch makers in that space, see what they're up to, what are they creating, and then get to see the progression of something that they're building to me yes. is exciting or people in a room full of people where it's chaotic and then it becomes very expansive. You know, these things are fantastic. I'm about to go to make 48 in Wichita. So I can't wait to go and be in that whole maker experience. That's cool. Um, I'm
1: glad they're still doing those.
0: Yeah. 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 That guy, he's amazing. God, I just felt like when I met him, you know, he's from New Zealand and he's got a big sheep farm and in outside of Kansas city. And I, oh, like anybody from New Zealand, I'm in, you know, it's just nice. like the most beautiful country in the world. So anyway, I just wanted to say thank you for coming and spending time with us. Now, tell us, you know, if you have any tips to give people that are listening, who are thinking they want to pivot or make change, are there any things that you would tell them to think about or do to help them?
1: You know, I think the, the main thing is just to get started, you know, like um, get started, start small, just start learning start asking questions get curious be creative challenge your assumptions you know like assume that you've got some stuff wrong that's about the only assumption that's that's valuable right is that you're that's something about your worldview or that how you think's gonna things are gonna unfold is incorrect and just assume that it's wrong you know, share your thoughts. One of the things I see when I'm mentoring startups, one of the number one things I see really common across startups that fail are the ones that are like really protective of their idea and aren't willing to share the idea or share be vulnerable about their concerns or their pains and their struggles. If you're not being transparent about those things, you're not no one's gonna be able to help you. And unless you're just super lucky and somehow you just like Got it all figured out, which like, I don't know if I've ever met anyone like that. No, me neither. Um, So (laughs) I just share it out. No one's going to steal your idea because there's too many ideas in the world. And then just, you know, just talk to a lot of people and, and just try things.
0: Yeah. And ask for help. I think that's key. What you said too. Oh my gosh. I just have enjoyed the time just flew by with you. I was like, this yeah. is crazy. So I can't wait to till we are in a face-to-face experience together at some point, or I'd love to have you back on the show to talk about what else is happening. So tell us a little bit about what you have on an ongoing basis, how people can connect with you.
1: You know, one thing that I was we're going to share at some point, but then, We're just having fun with the conversation and i didn't even think to bring it up but was that uh you know we created this work now report it's uh we you know our vision was it would be an annual report but as we got into it i think we might make it biannual so we might do a summer and and a winter but we just launched the winter one back in february so work now 2022 and one of the things that I think really was really fascinating is out of all the leaders that we surveyed in this research, over 75% of these leaders reported that facilitation played a major role in conducting change within their organization. So, you know, I had a hunch that, that there is more, is becoming more common um, in the perception of, you know, valuable skills and roles within organizations, yes. but to be over 75% was pretty shocking. So that's, um, for all you facilitators out there, Just we're on the right path and, <laughs> and it's right. getting more that's and more popular. That's, that's job right.
0: security. That's job security right there. I love that. That's so fantastic. Work, so that's coming out.
1: The Work Now report, the first one came out in February. We're going to be releasing more of them. So check that one out and stay tuned for more and then we have our weekly facilitation lab. We also have you know regular courses and workshops that are available. And we do an annual conference for facilitators every February. So we're going to do that again here in Austin in February of 2023.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. I can't wait for that. I love that. And I just can't wait to see what you're up to next. I'll follow in your footsteps and get my non-obvious guide to... Draw your future finished. So I get it out there to people. I love that yours is out there. And I would highly encourage people to connect with him at hello at voltagecontrol.com. It's a great way to just post a question or how can you get involved? Because this is a community you want to be a part of um, in some way and just keep up with what they're doing because it's really exciting. I'm just so happy to have met you and connected finally. And thank you so much for your time today. It was really amazing.
1: Hey, thank you for having me. And Patty, I really look forward to when we do get together in person.
0: Me too. All right. See you soon. And now everybody, you know the drill. If you like it, please repost this to all of the friends that you have and colleagues so they could learn more about voltage control. And until next time, up your creative genius. We mean it, don't we? Thanks so much for listening today. Be sure to DM me on Instagram your feedback or takeaways from today's episode on Up Your Creative Genius. Then join me next week for more Rocket Fuel. Remember, you are the superstar of your universe, and the world needs what you have to bring. So get busy, get out, and up your creative genius. And no matter where you are in the universe, here's some big love from yours truly, Patty Dobrovolsky, and the Up Your Creative Genius podcast. That's a wrap.